don't know if you remember in high school, whenever a teacher would come in and say, today I'm not going to lecture, but we're going to watch a movie instead. What was our reaction? <laughs> well, today I'm not going to lecture, we're going to watch movies. That's all right, you can, woohoo, I'm not offended. <laughs> yeah, it was always something fresh, oh, I don't have to take notes, the movies are interesting. Uh, but we're continuing this series, or I'm continuing a second part on becoming like Jesus. And we talked last time that if we want to be like Jesus, we, we really need to understand what was he like. And this is true. Whenever we read scripture, we naturally in our mind create a picture of what's happening. So today, I'm not saying this film portrayal is it's, it's not um, inerrant. But I really like this portrayal. To me, it resonates as one of the most true portrayals of what I think Jesus was like. Um, but you'll have to determine that yourself. You'll have to look at the scriptures and read it all and say, yes, is that, is that what Jesus was like? Because inevitably, we're going to have a picture. But I think often our picture, is, we have misconceptions, and we need to adjust our view of Jesus. One of the most common views of Jesus is Jesus meek and mild, as the youth called it. They called it Pope Jesus, and I'm not, we're not putting down the Pope, but generally when we think of the Pope, we think of someone who goes around, is generally just very calm, and goes around blessing people, bless you, my sister, bless you, my brother, let me pray for you, uh, calm and quiet, contented, okay? Um, I think as we look at these views today, we'll see, oh, Jesus was that, but he was much, much more. Sometimes we see Jesus as tall, strong, and silent. You know, he's a man of few words, and kind of with that one, that he was so holy and reverent that he rarely smiled, and that because he was so holy, he had to stand back away from people and was aloof at a distance. He wasn't really knowable. And I think today, I, I hope that we'll burst that idea as well, and see that Jesus interacted with people life on life. He got his hands dirty. Okay, and some of the key things I really want us to think about as we watch these video clips. One, to see that Jesus was full of joy. And why was that? You know, he said in John 15, we read, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete that your joy may be mature, that it may be full. Well, for some of us, if we don't see much, Jesus as having much joy, that doesn't sound like much of a promise. Oh, I'm going to have his joy, you know, that little bit that he had. I think we'll see instead Jesus was, is the source of joy and so that our, our lives can have it, a deep-seated joy that can be there even through difficult times. Also, we'll see the amazing love and compassion for people. And that relates to this one. He, he loved to see faith. And I think this is so encouraging at this time in our church's story and journey that we need to, to see that Jesus just loved faith. When he saw faith in people, it was so pleasing to him. And also this idea that when he didn't see it, he rebuked people, sometimes pretty harshly. And how did he get away with that? I think we'll see that it's because people knew that he loved them, so he could speak the truth to them, uh, even at times when it was really harsh. 
And then lastly, we're going to see again this idea that he's one of the most impactful teachers ever. Last time we, we looked at that, how what an amazing teacher Jesus was. One that he asked lots of probing questions. We looked at this idea that sometimes he feigned ignorance. He pretended he didn't know the answer to force people to express what they were going through. In particular, we looked at the story of the Canaanite woman with her demon-possessed daughter, and Jesus initially ignores her. Then he says, oh, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And then he tells her this little phrase and basically calls her a dog. And we wrestled with this. What was going on with Jesus? And we saw that really the best way to understand that passage was to see he tricked his disciples by using their thoughts, the things they commonly said about Canaanite women, about Gentile women. And then at the last minute, he turns it on them and leaves them stunned so that they have to rethink all these prejudices that they had. And it was because he was such a masterful teacher. And we'll see that again today. And the whole goal is that because of this, we'll fall more in love with Jesus and we'll want to be more like him because we see what an amazing, compelling personality he was. The most amazing person that ever lived. So, these clips come from a video called The Gospel According to Matthew. And I think I mentioned before, some people say, oh, that portrayal of Jesus, he's the, the happy Jesus. Okay, well, I will see that he's much more than that, but that he is filled with joy. Some people call him the California Jesus. And I think that's a wonderful compliment, the best compliment California ever got. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and we'll see these different things in his life. Let's watch the first clip as he encounters the leper and the, sees the faith of the centurion. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. anyone but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. 
said. My servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. Let one come and he comes. I told my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. For the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Okay, as we look at those two clips, what was it that made Jesus happy? What made him happy in those clips? Anybody? Faith. Yes, he loves faith. He delights when his people trust in him he knew that he was the son of god that he was trustworthy and he wants his people to do that and when they do it plea gives him so much pleasure what else would you say brought him joy in those clips and brings him joy today i think people he loves people, and he loves to see his people whole and well, to heal them. Wasn't that interesting, this idea that Jesus is aloof from us, yet when this leper comes, did you see the disciple covering himself? What does Jesus? Jesus goes and touches him and says, the, the, the leper was doubting, Lord, you can heal me if you're willing. He doesn't know if he's willing because there's so many people that have rejected him. And Jesus touches him and says, I am willing. <laughs> yes, that's who I am. I am willing. I want you to be healed, to be whole. And he delights in his faith. And then the centurion comes. Again, did you see that was um, Peter that came in and was like, no, Jesus, this guy's a Gentile. What are you doing? And Jesus loves all people, the Jews and the Gentiles. Again, he sees such faith. He commends that faith to the centurion, to his disciples, and then he gives them that hug, touches them intimately, affirming, oh, I'm so pleased by your faith. So faith 
and people are what bring him pleasure. Let's look next uh, at Jesus' compassion and how that relates to when he rebukes people. It's a very interesting interplay. So we'll see that here as we encounter Peter walking on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost! They said, and cried out in fear. Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I! Don't be afraid! Lord! If it is you! Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water! Come! He said, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. <laughs> but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Ah! And beginning to sink, cried out, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. <laughs> oh, you have little faith, he said. <laughs> Why did you doubt? They climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are the Son of God. Wow, I love that scene. Did you see the joy that Jesus had in Peter's face? Wow, it brought Jesus so much pleasure. He 
loves faith like that. When I first saw that clip, the Lord spoke to me and, like, and made me think of what we're journeying through now with the conditional use permit. And just the sense I got from God is he wants us to believe him, to trust him, and that that's the kind of pleasure it brings him when we say, Lord, we, we trust that you're going to work it out. You are trustworthy. And then with that, what does he say to Peter? Peter does this amazing thing of walking on the water, and Jesus says, you of little faith? That's always struck me as, wow. That was a lot of faith. He got out of the boat and he walked. He tried it. Yeah, he stumbled. But why does, why does Jesus, and how, how does he get away with that? You have little faith when he just tried something so amazing. Lord, are you just always putting people down? No. You, I love that portrayal of how he did it. Such pleasure at obedience and faith. But yet a sense of, huh, why, why couldn't you have more faith? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am that called you onto the water? You can trust me. I'm Jesus, the Messiah. I'm God. I'm trustworthy. There's that, almost that little edge of even that he's, he's, he's hurt, offended when we don't trust in him because he knows who he is. He knows he's trustworthy. And he loves it when his people Trust in him. Amazing thing I love about this particular video is every word in this video comes is word for word right out of the 1984 NIV. Um, and so they're, they're not adding extra words and things. If they did, that would be, be fine to make it flow a little better, whatever. But I think it's really incredible how well they made this production using word for word right out of, uh, right out of the scriptures. But again, we see this Interesting interplay of Jesus' rebuke when there's a lack of faith. How does he get away with telling Peter, Peter, why did you have such little faith? Well, he spoke the truth, but he spoke it in love. And I think Peter responds to it, his disciples respond to it, because when he rebukes, it's out of love. He loves his children, and he wants them to be spurred on to say, yes, I, I did just show a little bit of faith. I should be able to trust the Lord more. We'll see that again here in this scene where he tells Peter. How does he get away with this? He says, Peter, why are you so dull? Why are you so stupid, Peter? Our Lord says that directly to one of his closest disciples. Watch, how does he get away with it? Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. These are the Pharisees. the disciples came to him and asked do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this 
he replied. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? <laughs> Jesus asked them, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart and these make a man unclean for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false testimony slander these are what make a man unclean but eating with unwashed hands <laughs> does not make him unclean Are you still so dull? And does you can see it had a sting, didn't it, to Peter? But because Jesus spoke it in love, it's what Peter needed to hear. I think Peter in his thought said, yeah, why don't I understand? I need to spend more time thinking about these things, asking God to give me wisdom and insight into this. So I believe he really took it to heart here. Um. This also exemplified this next clip. Again, we see uh, Jesus and Peter in the interaction, and Jesus' interaction with the, with the Pharisees. And he loved them as well, but his approach with them uh, was different. But let's again, let's see how he rebukes Peter and the Pharisees. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Well, what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am?
Simon Peter answered, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, <laughs> Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Okay, wow. Amazing how Jesus interacted with him there. So, he's previously rebuked Peter here, but he did it in love. And then here when he realizes Peter has heard God, wow, does he, how does he affirm him there? He kisses him, gives him such praise. In fact, in that passage, goes on to talk about, on you, Peter, I will build my church. So he praises him effusely. And, you know, I was thinking about as, as parents or even as um, bosses or managers, you know, there are times we need to rebuke we need to correct people and we need to learn from jesus the the key of his success was that people knew that he loved them that he was crazy about them so he could tell them the truth he was blunt but he was so evident that that he loved them and then when he sees faith when he sees obedience oh he's so quick to praise and lift up that person and to to point it out. I think especially for parents, it's so easy for us to correct our children. We see something wrong, boom, we're on it. But are we like, but one, when we do it, are we filled with compassion for them? Is it coming out of our compassion, our desire to see them be all that God wants them to be? And then, are we catching them every time when they do something right, when they do something that we know is pleasing to the Lord, are we appraising them and making them know that, wow, that was right behavior. That was pleasing to my parents. That's pleasing to God. I mean, Jesus was so clear in showing that, that praise to him, catching his disciples when they did things right. Then back on the boat, I mean, I think the best way to describe that, his disciples were dopey. I mean, he mentions yeast, and they're like, Oh, did we forget to bring bread? Blah, 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 blah. And then Jesus tells them, and they're like, oh, duh, I get it now. Right, but he was so patient with them. So patient with them. But he said, you of little faith. And then what did he talk about? He reminds them of these miracles they've observed when he fed the 5,000. Uh, and they collected all the leftovers and the feeding of the 4,000, he mentions. So that He's telling him, don't you remember what I've already done? I think that's what he says to us. When we comes time for us to place our trust in him, we need to remember what God's already done in our life, how faithful he's been, and therefore why we can continue to, to trust him. All right, let's continue on with another very powerful clip of Jesus rebuking. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples. This is Matthew. That he must go to Jerusalem the story. and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. 
Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. He said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world? yet forfeits his soul, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Wow. Here Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Talk about a, a stinging rebuke. Can you think of one worse than that? That your spiritual leader tells you, what you are saying is of the devil. Well, what you're saying is demonic. Stop that demonic talk to me, will you? Ouch. I mean, that has got to hurt. But Jesus did it in love. He knew what Peter needed to hear. And it was hard. It was a bitter pill to swallow for him. And then Jesus goes on to talk about their need to, for them to die to themselves, to live for God and his kingdom. And then he ends it by saying, some of you here will see me in my glory. I believe he's talking right after this uh, next chapter, we see the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are there. So he's speaking of that, that he goes and, and here is um, Peter, who's been hurt by these harsh, this harsh words, this rebuke, it had to sting. We see it sting. But then Jesus comes back to him and says, a privileged few of you are going to see me in all my glory. And he's indicating that it's gonna, Peter is going to be one of them. And Peter initially wants to turn away. But Jesus knows that he needs that praise to be lifted up. Jesus saw Peter not for who he was at that moment, but he saw who he could become. And that's why he corrected him. He wanted Peter to be all that he could be. That's why God allows a correction in our life. Uh, he disciplines us because he knows that it will help us, or it can, if we respond to it rightly, help us to be all that he wants us to be. Then lastly, um, 
we have this idea of Jesus meek and mild. Well, this scene clearly blows that out of the water. But look to see also the incredible, that, it, that it, Jesus' harsh words come out of love for the Pharisees. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe to you, blind guides! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. Which is greater? The gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater? The gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne. And by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides! You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee! First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the sin of your forefathers. You snakes! You brood of vipers! How will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so, upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth. From the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I tell you the truth. All this will come upon this generation. Oh, Jerusalem. the prophets and stone those sent to you how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing look your house is left to you desolate I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. idea Jesus meek and mild but that he was always meek and mild wow the words he speaks to the Pharisees even his disciples who were against them you could tell they were feeling uncomfortable his words were so harsh 
But the core of it was they were key. He said, you're keeping people who want to enter my kingdom. You're preventing them from going in because of your hypocrisy, because of your religion, saying that the way to, to please God is just by following the letter of all these little laws that they've made up instead of through relationship with him. So they're totally missing the boat. And so he rebukes them. Also, I believe there's the, we see his compassion for Jerusalem that has killed the prophets. The disobedience of his people, including the Pharisees. And he's grieved by it, but he has compassion on them. I believe his words are so harsh because the hearts of the Pharisees were so hardened. He knew that the only thing that at that point was going to get through was these especially harsh words. You sons of hell. You snakes. You brood of vipers. You hypocrites. He loved them so much he was willing to say these hard things with the hope that they might turn. In another passage, he said to them, they asked for a sign, the Pharisees did, and he said, none will be given you except the sign of Jonah. It was this idea of after he died, three days later he'd rise from the dead, and hopefully the Pharisees would remember his words, and he was giving them one last chance to believe and turn back to him. But he had such compassion on the Jews despite that, all that disobedience. Like a hen, he said, how many times I long to gather you to myself, to put you under my wings like a mother hen to her chicks. But you were unwilling. This idea that Jesus was so aloof. Then we see him there at the end. And he calls to his own disciples to comfort him. Now, we don't, it's not in the scriptures. It's a portrayal of it. But I believe it's a very accurate portrayal of, of Jesus and what he was like. So filled with compassion. Wanting all to know him. So repulsed by hypocrisy. But so willing to forgive and to gather those that had disobeyed him. The last few clips we want to look at are, are looking at Jesus again. We've seen, we're seeing many sides of him here. Okay, his compassion, his love for people, his willingness to touch people, to be in their lives, day-to-day -day walking with the disciples. His compassion and rebukes, and then his, uh, Jesus is a master teacher. Let's look at these clips and see how creative Jesus was. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye 
and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. <laughs> How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrites. <laughs> First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So he was the most amazing teacher. He didn't bore people with lecture after lecture. No, in fact, it says that sometimes he only spoke to them using parables that they had to think about and try to process. So... Now, do we know that he picked up a plank when he said, no, we don't? Does it seem that he couldn't have done that? Does it seem out of character? To me, it doesn't seem very natural as this amazing teacher, the most amazing teacher that ever lived. Would it be beyond him to laugh at the human condition that we tend to do that, that we are such hypocrites, and we point out the speck in someone else's eye when we've got a plank in ours? No, Jesus knew the human frame. He knew all our faults, but he was so amazing in teaching in a creative and memorable way. His teaching, I think of it, two distinctives. It was always impactful, and it was memorable. You'd be able to remember what he taught because he used parables. He used stories, perhaps object lessons like this. Let's look at uh, another one. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. (laughs) I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you. That if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Some people laugh and say, oh, Jesus would have never wrestled around with his disciples. Again, this view, oh, Jesus was aloof. But when we think about it, yeah, he taught. Yeah, if your brother sins, correct him. Uh, If he doesn't listen, bring two or three more. If he doesn't listen, treat him as a tax collector. He taught that knowing one of his disciples was a tax collector. I'd never thought of that before. That was probably a little bit of an uncomfortable moment. Now, whether they wrestled Matthew to the ground, I don't know exactly. Um, But... Think of that dynamic even among the disciples. To have a tax collector in their midst had to be uncomfortable. Okay? And then when Jesus talked to them, 
But then they'd seen the transformation. They'd become bonded together as Jesus' followers. So I'm convinced there were jokes among them about tax collectors, and they gave Matthew probably a a hard time in love about that. Uh, But Jesus was even willing to bring it up in, in his talking. So if we could go back to the PowerPoint just for a second here. Um, you know, we've tried to smash some of these misconceptions about, about Jesus. Okay, this idea that he's distant, that he's always serious. Okay, now we see Jesus was full of joy. It's portrayed here that he's full of joy, but I believe as we look at scriptures, and I challenge you to go back and look at scriptures, reread it again, and see which Jesus seems to be truest to the text. And I challenge you that he was full of joy. He said, I came to give you life and life to the full. I came that your joy may be full. I believe he had an incredible life of joy. He found joy in people. In people amidst all their sins and foibles and silly hypocrisy that they had, he found joy. People were his creation. And he found joy in faith. Know that whenever you're faced with a situation, am I going to step out and trust God? Know that when you do, when you place your faith in him and take a step of faith, he is so pleased by it. And as we face this situation, even with the conditional use permit, know that as we say, yes, Lord, we trust you. We are not going to worry and be anxious. We're going to trust that you are in control and that you are going to lead us. He is so pleased by that. And he's pleased when we go to him to look for guidance and show us what you want us to do, Lord, and we'll obey. He delights in that. And he's given us this opportunity to please him through this. And he praises, we saw that he praises faith and then he lovingly rebukes those that don't. And so even in our work, or if you're a manager or a parent, we have to be quick to praise the good that we see in our children. And and we can correct them, but they have to know that we're crazy about them and that that's why we correct them. It's got to come from a sense of, that, that's why Jesus could say, Peter, are you so dull? Peter, stop talking those demonic words. How can he get away with saying that? It's because Peter knew Jesus was crazy about him. And Jesus talked about, Peter, one day, I'm going to build my church on you. Jesus had such a belief in Peter. Peter couldn't even see his future, but Jesus saw it saw what an amazing man he was going to become. And he spoke to Peter like that. He loved people. He loved faith. And he corrected when, when it needed. He spoke the truth in love. But people were absolutely convinced that he loved them. And then he was this most amazing teacher, often teaching in parables, sometimes only teaching in parables. Doesn't surprise us. That he would use word pictures. He was always taught with impact, and he taught so that it was memorable, that people could go back and think about it more and more. This Jesus 
Would you like to meet him? Yes, it's such a winsome Jesus. Wouldn't the Son of God be winsome? Of course. The most amazing person who ever lived. If there's anybody here that uh, is not a Christian, has never put your trust in Jesus, I would say, why do you hesitate? Jesus, full of love, wants to give that joy to you in your life if you will just put him in charge of your life. Accept what he's done for you, dying on the cross for your sins. He's a Jesus. When he sees you, he sees all that you can become through him. But he loves you right now. He loves each of us. He's crazy about us because we're his creation. He's saddened by the sin and the mistakes we make in life but he's so willing and quick to forgive and wanting to bring healing. That's the Jesus we follow. And the Bible says we're to be conformed to his image. We're to become like Christ. It helps when we get a clear picture in our minds. What was Jesus like? Then we know what he's wanting to transform us into. That would be full of joy full of faith, that we would love people, that we would not stand aloof from people in messy situations, but we would get in there, get our hands dirty, just like Jesus, getting involved in people's messes. We all have messes, but Jesus doesn't stand back and sniff his nose at it. No, he gets in our lives because he loves us and wants to transform us. Let's pray. God, we just thank you and stand amazed at how uh, awesome you are. We said before that Jesus was unpredictable. Sometimes did things we didn't expect, but that he was always good and always faithful. And Lord, we know that to be true. You allow unpredictable things to happen in our lives. But Lord, I confess you are always faithful. And you never leave us or forsake us, but you journey with us through the difficulties that you allow, the trials that you allow in our lives. So we thank you, God. We thank you that, Jesus, you're just so winsome. You're so amazing. And even this video portrayal can't scratch the surface of portraying how amazing you are and how incredible your love for us is. Lord, we just thank you that you have made us your children. And Lord, I pray for those that have not made you their father, their heavenly father, Lord, that they would even commit today to put you in charge of their life and accept your salvation, accept your death on the cross for their sins, that they would come and be your children. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.